Certainly, as we've seen in recent elections, at all three levels of government, there's been an increasing role played by third-party advertisers, also known as political action committees. As Elections Alberta describes it, a third-party advertiser engages in election advertising to promote or oppose, take a position on or an issue associated with a registered party or candidate in an MLA election. An election third-party advertiser is a person, corporation, or group which is required to register with Election Alberta when it is incurred or plans to incur expenses of at least $1,000 for election advertising. Or is it accepted or plans to accept at least $1,000 in election advertising contributions? And there is that question, to what extent do we want or should we tolerate political action committees in our elections? And even in between elections in our political discourse? Is this Americanizing our, our political system? Or is this a way of bringing more voices, more issues to the table? Now, there is the concern that these groups can act as loopholes, where candidates or parties kind of capped out what it is they're allowed to spend. But these groups can complement that by running ads that are either for the candidate or party or against their opponents or for the issues that those candidates represent. And some have been more blatant. The Calgary's municipal election uh, in 2021, for example, there was a political action committee that's sole purpose was to promote that candidate and only that candidate, which was a little awkward. Now, there are numerous political action committees registered in Alberta. Uh, some represent the labor movement, like the Alberta Federation of Labor, QP, Health Sciences Association, United Nurses of Alberta. There's on the right, Shaping Alberta's Future. Wexit is still registered as a political action group or third-party advertiser. Alberta Proud, the Alberta Freedom Committee. There's a new one on the scene. The Progressive PAC, the Progressive Political Action Committee. One of its founders, a well-known political voice in this province, Stephen Cardew, is president of Decide Campaigns, a veteran of many election campaigns himself. Stephen Carter, good to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Rob. Good to be on. It's, uh, it was an interesting open, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. As am I. Okay, so um, the progressive pack, I guess if that's what we're calling it, uh, not yet registered, I see, but what is the status of this group? It's registered as a political uh, TPA, not yet as an electoral TPA. That'll oh, happen in the, next com- in the coming weeks. Uh, the complication of the rules, as you described in your intro, continues to get more and more... Uh, complete as political parties try and limit who can have a voice in an election. Uh, used to be back when I was working in elections in the 90s and the early 2000s that any person who wanted to have a voice could have a voice, and uh, that was welcomed. I remember the AMA, the Alberta Medical Association, spent $2.5 million opposing Alison Redford in the 2011 or 2012 election, and uh, we still won. So I think that the, the parties will always have a bigger voice, but others uh, should be welcome to speak in the political realm. It's just getting harder and harder as political parties try and limit that. Okay, so you think that, that more is better, that this is ultimately good for democracy? I think that you, you're, on a, uh, you're on a talk show where people get to speak every day, and uh, they are heard by thousands of people. And it's a free voice that, that is added to the, to the discussion, and it influences politicians. And I think that our ability to speak loudly and have an influence with our politicians uh, should be allowed, and not just for lobbyists, for people who are average people like uh, you, me, and your listeners. 
Right. And the point about influencing politicians versus trying to assist them in some way, and that's always kind of these murky waters of these political action committees. Are they there to try to help the cause of a politician or a political party, or are they there to try to impact the conversation? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, you mentioned Calgary's tomorrow. You didn't mention it by name, but they were a pack set up to help uh, Jeff Davison in the election. And when they were found not to be colluding with uh, Jeff Davison, I was shocked. Uh, and what that does, though, is it really loosens the ground and it says, okay, this is now, um, you know, everybody's going to have a TPA. Well, the good news is that anybody can have a TPA, even people who don't necessarily support either of the, the existing parties. Uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm an old school progressive conservative. I've been a progressive conservative for a long time. I'm surrounded by a group of people who identify as federal liberals or identify as, uh, you know, many different political stripes, even some that don't identify as politicians with any of the political labels. They just want better decision making because uh, right now we're lurching from one ideological decision-making system to another ideological system of decision-making, neither of which makes sense. So what's the voice that's missing here? What are the issues you think are not being addressed? I think that there's a missing middle. I think that the common-sense approach to things like homelessness, common-sense approach to issues like health care, when when Alison Redford won, she promised to invest in post-secondary education uh, especially in postgraduate post-secondary education, which is the lowest in Canada, here in Alberta. And if we'd invested in that, we would have new knowledge today that would be creating new industry. We see it across around the world. Wherever there's new knowledge being generated, then there's an opportunity for new industry to be generated alongside it. But instead, we decided to ride our, our oil and gas roller coaster while speaking, paying lip service to diversification. Someone needs to talk about that. Someone needs to talk about it in a way that um, that Rachel Notley and Daniel Smith currently aren't. What's the thing? I mean, it's essentially a two-party system we have right now, the NDP and the UCP. Uh, one could make the argument that having a two-party system inherently draws both those parties back toward the middle, but, you know, the jury's still out on whether that's the case. Having an additional political action committee or having 20 additional political action committees doesn't give Albertans an additional choice. No, it doesn't give them an additional choice today. It doesn't, and it doesn't change the outcome necessarily right now. But it could very easily change the outcome through the course of the election, or it could change the outcome in the next election, where the next party, the party that loses, is forced to make cho- changes and choices to become more representative of the full of the full spectrum of political uh, people. Right? I always find that you know I've run a lot of elections, Rob, and it's always smarter to run elections where the people are. And I think that Danielle Smith especially is running her election where a very, very small minority of the people are. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know Danielle very well. She's a, she's a very personable person, but she has a tendency to take ideas from her callers um, instead of ideas from, from everybody. And I think that you form your opinions by listening to experts and uh, listening to your guests, whereas I think Danielle, you know, listened to the callers and, and uh the lack of expertise always drove her, her position, and here she is. Now the premier of the province uh, with a very small group of people who actually elected her, and now we have an opportunity to, to form another group that will influence uh, the electorate to force her perhaps to change some of her ideas, to become more representative of the larger group. That seems like a longer-term game than beyond just this election cycle. I think any political action group should be thinking long term. I think this idea that you're going to be able to inject yourself into the phys- in, into the political discourse for 15 or 20 minutes and have your ideas heard is just 
uh, it's just short-sighted. The longer that you can talk to your issues, the more time that you have uh, on your issues, the better off you'll be. What about the focus on this election? In, in a polarized kind of two-party atmosphere, I think there's a perception that if you're criticizing the UCP, you know, you're, you're trying to advance the cause of the NDP or, or vice versa, right? And, and that's how this is going to come across. Yeah, I mean, for sure. In a two-party system, that's what happens. You People assume that you're one or the other. And that's a problem um, because neither of them have the answer. When both of them come down on the, the side of avoiding the just transition, both of them say that, you know, that you're not going to take care of the, the 10,000 Calgarians or the 30,000 Albertans who've lost their high-paying oil and gas jobs because of changes in the industry. No one's going to take care of them. No one's going to look after them outside of their regular EI benefits. I'll tell you, I know people that have been unemployed for almost eight years in this province that haven't had a, uh, any help, any support. They're not ready to retire. They don't know how this is going to end. And they're left in a uh, very precarious position. And both Rachel Notley and Danielle Smith walked away from hundreds of millions of dollars to help those people uh, find transition and find a, find a way to take their skill and expertise into a new industry. Well, politics is... is to a large extent, I think supply and demand. If Albertans were clamoring for a centrist option, there would be one. The Alberta Party's a non-issue. The Alberta Liberal Party is barely breathing. I don't even know if they, they still exist in, in, all, in all practical terms. So is, is this maybe how Albertans want it? It could be. It very well could be. And I think that this is the opportunity. I mean, that's the nature of, of politics. Some people win, some people lose. Some ideas get carried forward, some ideas don't get carried forward. But it doesn't stop you from having the ability to put your ideas forward. Even if you're the 1%, the one person just, just standing on a street corner talking about what your idea should or could be, that has a place in our political discourse. And, and I think that the problem is that the rules have tried to make it so hard for everybody to speak that, the, that you know now you have to form a TPA. Now you have to put yourself into these electoral you know, organizations just to have the ability to speak as your listeners do every time they call in or as they, as they do on a, on a Facebook message board. I mean, just because it's organized and coordinated doesn't mean that we have any less right to speak. And uh, with all these different rules, our ideas will be accepted or rejected. But at the end of the day, politics is best when we're hearing multiple ideas. Mm-hmm. I, I don't disagree with that. I, 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 don't, I don't oppose the existence of third-party advertisers, political action committees, uh, you know, as long as there are rules and, and transparency. How difficult are these rules, in your view, to navigate as they stand right now? Are, are they fair? Do they need to be loosened? I think it's frustrating. I think that it's frustrating because uh, a third-party advertiser can get a donation from, of up to $30,000 from one individual. But a political party can only accept up to $4,000. That doesn't make sense to me. That feels like it's misconstrued. I think that we should have a far more wide-open funding rule uh, that if you want to be involved in politics, that's fine. But you have to make sure that the, the donation limit that used to exist was $30,000 you know, back in the early 2000s. And that, to me, is a decent limit. Because, but what was missing was the openness and transparency. In today's society, we have the ability to make public the information that comes in of who our donors are and how much money they gave within 24 hours of the receipt of that donation. But no one does it because that's not the rule that they put in place. The rule in pla- that they put in place was not to, make, not to bring sunshine to the, to the actual uh, operations of politics, but instead to put, curtail the operations of politics. And I think that that was the mistake that has been made by both 
the uh, Kenny government as well as the Notley government. Both of them are trying to curtail political activity, when in fact what we should be doing is shining, sun, putting sunshine on political activity. All right. Well, it's the PPAC, the Progressive Political Action Committee. We'll be hearing a lot more from Stephen Carter. Thanks for joining us here this morning. Appreciate this. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.